Don't get technical with me. But enough of my technical mumbo jumbo. Allow me to demonstrate. Well, we are going to start today by demonstrating not technical mumbo jumbo, but the real expertise in technical analysis. I'm joined right now by Zach Johnson. He's chief investment officer at Stack Financial Management. And we are talking technicals here on Money Life. If you want to learn more about what they do at Stack Financial Management, well, it's stackfinancialmanagement.com. But you should understand that Stack Financial Management is a sister to Investec Research, which publishes the Investec newsletter. So you may be familiar with that as well. Again, you can find information at stackfinancialmanagement.com. Zach Johnson, welcome back to Money Life. Chuck, thanks for having me again. These are really, really curious times, not just on a technical basis, but the technicals. I mean, we started the year and all the technical analysts I was talking to were like, hey, it's all green lights. And then we very quickly got away from all green lights. And then we had a banking crisis, which is not a technical event until it shows up in the numbers. And now, well, you can find things that'll make people happy. You can find things that'll make them not happy. But a discernible trend and uh, where we're going still seems to be pretty hard to read. So what's your current read? Well, I'd agree with kind of everything you just outlined. And and what I wanted to do is actually go back to the beginning of the year for the point you just made, because I think it's important. You know, obviously, we had a pretty strong first quarter if you look at the S&P. By and large, that was driven um, by by large cap tech and large cap growth stocks, almost a complete reversal of what took place last year. So even even the strong rebound in the first quarter almost seems to have an asterisk after it. And that's really what we're seeing with almost all the technical data that we look at. And and I'd like to kind of go through three key indicators uh, because I think they tell the story quite well. So you know, about the week of January 12th, so pretty early in the year, we saw what's called a breath of thrust get triggered. And a breath thrust is a representation of broad and strengthening participation in the stock market. And specifically, the definition that we look at is when the 10-day total of advancing stocks on the New York Stock Exchange exceeds declining stocks by a ratio of 2.0 or greater. And historically, looking at that indicator, specifically, we look from 1950 going forward, so pretty long track record. There's been very few false signals when you look at that forward-looking returns after this signal gets triggered. And then what happens, like you just walked through, the next two months, we actually have the worst ever two months return post this triggered breath thrust. So said differently, the deviation from the average path of what you normally see after this indicator gets triggered was extremely low. And and that to us just made us kind of, again, shake our heads and wonder what's going on. Now, the next indicator that triggered for us was the selling vacuum. Um, I've spoken about this indicator. That's tied to the negative leadership composite index, which is a proprietary index that Investec Research utilizes. And it measures downside leadership, but more specifically, a selling vacuum measures a complete lack of downside leadership. And to begin the year, we all saw that take place. And looking into early February, we ended up getting what we call a selling vacuum. And from a number standpoint, when this jumps up through a plus 20, which is just a a level that that really indicates an abundance of no downside leadership, 
it usually begins, it's kind of a signal that we're emerging into a possible new bull market. And then if it explodes forward and goes through plus 40, if we look back in time and, and, and through history, once again, it's probably the beginning of a new bull market. And so we did jump through plus 20. We made some portfolio adjustments based on some of these movements. And what you ended up seeing now is that selling vacuum has fallen back down. It's now down below plus 20, down to the plus 15 range, which is kind of no man's land. And more specifically, the other side of this indicator, which is called distribution, which measures downside leadership, it's actually picked back up. And we look back in history, virtually no bull markets have begun when distribution reappears after a selling vacuum gets triggered. So again, another no man's land type signal. And then finally, I'm going to mention one more. It's called the Copic Guide. And this is a very, very long-term momentum oscillator. And this looks, you know, it takes quite a bit to, to move this indicator. So we really only bring this out every once in a while. But after the bear market of last year, this indicator fell quite a bit and it went down below a measurement of zero. And when you go down below zero, any type of an uptick or an upturn in this indicator actually usually means we're, we're probably uh, entering a good buying opportunity. So most recently, we just saw this trigger. And once again, we went back in history and we said, okay, what does a normal trigger look like? And unfortunately, it doesn't look like what we're looking at today. Usually, you don't have distribution forming when you end up getting an upturn in this Copic Guide. So from start to finish, it's almost as if every single one of these positive indicators has a corresponding asterisk behind it. And, and to us, you know, it really just begs a lot of questions. And it really means if you're leaning really aggressively on either side of this market, I think you might be taking a bigger bet than you really need to at this time. So in other words, hold what you got, stay in place, have confidence, you know, check everything. I, I recently wrote a column that said, you know, People spend all their time focused on what they're buying or selling. You spend most of your time as a holder. This is a time to reinforce your hold. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, a, lot, a lot of times we talk in the investment committee team and it's like, well, what do you do right now? Well, you sit on your hands because a lot of times um, big decisions you can make can end up uh, uh, biting you. And overall, if you, if you ask our baseline view, we don't believe the bear market lows have quite been met yet. If that means just an absolute retest of where we hit before, or if that means further bear market lows uh, beneath that, um, the way we look at everything, and that includes some macroeconomic indicators, valuation, um, like I've talked about before, we combined macro and technical economic indicators with bottom-up fundamental research. And to us, there's just so many different headwinds that we feel like we're not quite through this yet. But again, we always pay attention to these technical indicators because earlier this year, we thought, you know what? If you look back at 2009, another time in our history where we started to get technical indicators that were triggering, and you, you sit in a, a chair of portfolio management, and making a decision to go long in 2009 was not easy. You know, everybody looks back now and you say it, it becomes obvious, but there were negative headlines galore. The forward outlook for economic growth was extremely low and everything triggered. But the problem is what we're seeing today does not look at all like that. It doesn't show a low risk investment environment. And for us, that means remain patient, sit in your hands and just kind of be careful and wait for that weight of the evidence to come through. That is not an easy thing to do. And the weight of the evidence 
let's go and, and kind of discuss what that phrase means, because at times when we're talking technical analysis, it's like, hey, I see the start of a new market move. But somebody's talking about a relatively short term market move at Investec, mm-hmm. as you have clearly pointed out, you look at short term indicators, but you also look at very long term indicators. So the weight of the evidence, I assume we're talking about like where we can say, hey, Fed, congratulations on a job reasonably well done or Fed, you chowderheads, you screwed this up, <laughs> right? Like we have to come to one of those conclusions or, or do we not have to wait that long to have the weight of the evidence in? You know, I don't think you actually have to wait that long because quite frankly, once you can come to a clear and defined conclusion about how bad the Fed screwed up or if they actually nailed it, the market's going to make that decision for you. And that is where I think technical indicators are so important. And that's where I think, you know, the behavioral finance behind technical indicators. But like you stated, this combination of short-term, mid-term, and long-term technicals, I think are very important. You know, we're not a, we're not a day trading. We're not going to actively um, trade really aggressively on short-term indicators. There's people out there that do that, use technicals to do that, and they can do very well. But we're, we're much more long-term in the nature that we manage portfolios. But when I think of weight of the evidence, I say it's not just the trigger that matters, but also the corresponding follow-through. And that's what we're just not seeing right now. We, we, we've seen three different triggers that historically have led to good, solid bull markets, but we've seen complete lack of follow-through. And the bull markets we've seen in the past have the follow-through as well. So what that means right now is wait for the weight of the evidence. The other interesting aspect is I mentioned distribution, which is downside leadership. That has actually started to decline as well. So we're seeing that get sucked back in, which kind of means the downside might be a little bit capped for, for how we stand today. So again, back to the idea of being patient, waiting for that evidence. And it also means, quite frankly, the idea of starting your year off with some uh, arbitrary number on the S&P at the end of the year. It's just not something we do. We follow that evidence and we, we react or, or we actively uh, manage portfolios based on that evidence itself. So there's no sense in asking you for an audience that's <laughs> desperate to hear it. Like, hey, what do you think the S&P is going to get to if we see a move one way or the other? Correct. I'll tell you that your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> but like I stated, I think our my guess is actually point, equal to yours, Zach, because I don't guess at those things. So there yes, you go. we're, yes, we're no, equal on that. I front. concur. That's the only place that we are equal quickly because we're just about out of time. Internationally, is there any relief? Do you see anything happening internationally that makes you at all look there differently? 100%. I think when we get into that next cycle, and I think the next cycle is going to look completely different from what we just experienced. And if you go back through different cycles, all the way back to the tech bubble, when you reemerge out of the tech bubble, that next cycle was largely driven by financials and energy and a huge commodity with emerging markets, bull market rally. Then you come out of that cycle, Obviously, post-2008, we've seen a complete large-cap tech renaissance, and that's what's led this cycle. Our next cycle, in our opinion, is going to look completely different from what we just came out of. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see international participate in that. The deviation, the difference in relative valuations when you look at international stock versus domestic, domestic U.S. stocks, it's rather large. Not to mention, when the Fed does kind of slow down, uh, we would anticipate that the dollar would come down, which can end up being a pretty significant tailwind for international stocks. 
So we do like that segment of the market, but we're still a proponent or still an advocate of when the U.S. catches the cold, the rest of the world sneezes. And I might have gotten that completely backwards, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't use analogies. But we, in the grand scheme of things, we, we believe it's, it's still early and there's a lot of risk out there. We want to we catch that on the other side when the new cycle begins. Zach, great stuff. We will talk to you. Hopefully, the new cycle will be beginning because we talk every couple of months. You said we may not have to wait too long. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Excellent. Thanks, Chuck, again. That's Zach Johnson, Chief Investment Officer at Stack Financial Management. Stackfinancialmanagement.com is where you go to learn about him, the firm, a little bit about Investec research, and more. We're just getting started. Marty Fritzen is here for the big interview next. 